I mean, we we're, we're now in like the the preview cycle has ended. Yo, oh, we, we're in the lull period. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like we can actually breathe and process now. Like Double Masters is out, and it's like, like I don't know. I'm I'm not. I'm looking forward to grabbing singles. I'm definitely not looking forward to like buying a pack or anything because like I've already seen people are like, this this pack sucks. It sucks so bad. I got literally pennies. I'm like, yeah, that fucking sucks. That's a shame. This is season motherfucker two. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Commander Podcast, where myself and other guests come on to talk about our favorite uncommon legendary creatures that to play as our commanders. I'm keeping that intro. Fuck it. Um, uh, a returning guest. Uh, he was one of my early guests talking about Trellisara. He was on my group episode with my original play group. Derek, how are you doing? Hey, Cole. I'm doing great today. Uh, coming at you from the early morning in jolly old England. And I... I'm coming from 9.30 at night, so this is going to be great, because you got to go to work, and i got to go to bed, so hey. Um, so you had a leisure creature pick your brain for a little bit. Uh, most listeners will probably recognize that I do like talking about red X uh, legendary creatures on this cast for, like, Boros and Rakdos. Uh, we're talking about Mahati Emporium Master, um, who was... From the recent uh, Commander Legends 2 Battle for Baldur's Gate set, uh, where it is, he is a cat devil, one black and red for a 3-3, uh, who's basically one half of Gadrak Crown Scourge. At the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each creature that died this turn. Uh, so what about this really got you going? Uh, what really got me going with this card, uh, just... I was actually really inspired by a previous Audric Blood Curse deck of yours. The idea of just generating a lot of artifact tokens for value, even if you're not using the artifact tokens to do a tremendous amount. So, what was uh, like sort of the like ideal explosive turn in this deck? In my mind, was some sort of massive board wipe, recursion, sacrifice thing, and then landing. Uh, either a Reckless Fireweaver or the new edition of Ingenious Arterialist to see some exorbitant number of treasures entering the battlefield nuking the opponents for that amount. Which is uh, was... very, very easy to do in uh, today's environment. Oh, yes. But, yeah. Oh, yes. Lots, lots of exciting things happening in here. Uh, so one of the things, because uh, I, I originally made a uh, Gadrek Crown Scourge deck, quite a while ago um but it's what i find really cool about mahadi is not just like the 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 luckily it's the beginning of your end step because this card would be busted if it was every end step because like first of all how how could this be printed on uncommon but the cool thing i find is that you could have a very uh explosive turn you you cast a board wipe you cast damnation or um something that that clears the battlefield and then for the a measly three mana if you set yourself up correctly 
Your second main phase, you throw out Mahadi, and then at your end step, you, you collect your treasures, because he doesn't need to be there in play witnessing the deaths. They just need to happen. They just need to have happened that turn, yeah. And I've kept the mana value on this deck quite low to allow for things like uh, board wipe or a sack recursion engine and then playing the Mahadi post-combat or uh, near the end of the turn to to view all the spoils. Yeah, it's... it's uh, I, I've seen some minor buzz lately. Uh, I think we can go over it a little bit later, but we're kind of in a lull period between sets, which allows people to go back, uh, kind of absorb what these sets are about, especially for Commander Legends, which is a very, very uh, cool set. I, I really encourage people to really dig deep to take a look into this. Um, but... Uh, like, Mahadi is just another really cool creature to add to Rakdos' wheelhouse. Um, a, a combination of colors that, like, really interacts with um, creatures dying, uh, artifact interaction. Um, like, there's... It... it, 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 it uh, like, I, I just recently did an episode uh, with uh, Crow from Children of Lara where we're talking about... Um, you, you would think I would know what I'm talking about for my one of my favorite legendary creatures. Uh, shit, what's your name? You tell I'm totally prepared for this podcast. <laughs> Hold on a second. Kalane. Kalane Reclusive Painter. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> where... She enters and creates a treasure and has this focus on treasures being used to bolster possibly like your low curve creatures into absolute behemoths. And like we're, we're I, I like seeing this direction in Rakdos personally because I think it's just allows um it allows treasures to be utilized in not just oh I make a treasure and ramp. It's oh I can use te ruthless technomancer or um Professional Facebreaker. Not in the deck, in this particular one, but Professional Facebreaker is going to be like, oh, I can utilize artifacts and treasures in different ways that are not just pure ramp. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what I wanted with this deck was to be able to use all these artifacts and not just, you know, like you said, not just a turbo ramp thing. Like, very low cost deck. We are going to be using those treasures to to ping things, to help pay for spells with Improvise, or to, to reprocess away with some, some big payoff cards. Yeah. So, what is, uh, what do you consider, like, obviously, like you said, Ingenious uh, Arterialist, um, and, uh, wow, I'm off my game today. Reckless Fireweaver. Reckless Fireweaver. Like, like, and Mayhem Devil, as, like, the, the direct damage payoff of making all of these artifacts, uh, what are some of the other big heavy hitters of, of this deck that, that you feel are like a fantastic fit for it? Uh, some things that were just an amazing fit. Um, another thing from Commander Legend Baldur's Gate, uh, one of the backgrounds. Sadly, Mahadi doesn't have two as a background, so we couldn't put it in the command zone. Uh, but one of the three mana background enchantments, Agent of the Iron Throne. Oh god, it's yes! It's uh oh, it was so yeah. perfect. It's so good. It, it 
fits with my creature sacrificing synergies. Whenever I sacrifice a treasure, each opponent loses a life. It it's actually kind of a menace. Uh, we got some some interesting stuff. Uh, I'm not sure. So I've shared this deck list. I, I'm looking at the is list this, right now. Is does the version you have see have all the tags? Uh, let me swap that around to tag tags. All right. Uh, just going over some of the categories here. Uh, we got the big boys, aka the the one big boy marionette master. Uh, we got board wipes and interaction, card draw, mana, recursion, uh, enterer and leaving the battlefield synergy, sack fodder, sack outlets, uh, lands and uh, bodies and question mark too much. <laughs> we'll, we'll, co- we'll come to too much at the end. This is it's. We'll come back. To we'll that. come back to the yeah. We'll we yeah. It's it, it's appropriate to, to end yeah. on. So, uh, with Mahadi, you really need, uh, with the direction that I wanted to take the deck. You really need creatures that are going to be disposable, things that are recursive, uh, to be able to take advantage turn over turn of the uh, treasure generating artifact. Treasure generating effect. So we have some all-star recursion creatures like Blood Gas, Blood Soap Champion, uh, Skyclave Shade from uh, New New Zendikar. Zendikar Rising, yeah. Zendikar Rising, thank you. Reassembling Skeleton uh, as a a throwback to the, the early days uh, Magic 2011 All-Star Reassembling Skeleton. Everyone loves and Reassembling Nether- Skeleton. Yeah. And Nether Trader as as cards that are self-recursive. So these are things that turn over turn as long as I can meet their criteria to return to the battlefield, I can have a consistent way to be generating treasures. It also, in the sack fodder genre, I also have um, a Fiamancer or a Fiamancer generating snake tokens every turn. Uh, Jadar, who caller of Nefalia, who every turn makes a, a 2-2 black zombie with decayed. If you are able to remove your previous one, because you can only ever have one. Which is pretty easy to do, considering it has decayed. I just find, I find, I find, uh, I always keep thinking about it. I'm like, Jadar is the hilariously budget option of Ophiomancer. Like, despite... It's Ophiomancer at home. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on it, At home on Innistrad, it's, yeah. But fits, fits the same niche of, like, generating the, the, the chaff needed to sack for treasures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have... From Darksteel, way back in Darksteel, something called Genesis Chamber, which may be familiar for group hug players or other. It's a a two mana artifact. Whenever a non token creature comes into play, if Genesis Chamber is untapped for some reason, that creature's controller puts a 1 1 mirror artifact creature token into play. So as I'm going through my sack recursion loops, this is giving me additional bodies. And hopefully uh, I am able to take advantage of this much more than my opponents, but it is a table-wide symmetrical effect. So you're going to clog up the board with a lot of 1-1s uh, as, as you're doing this. Which is uh, um, also... Sorry, what was that? I'm getting... No. 
I mean, put it away. Yeah, I'm not going to eat that now. Oh, hey, that made the episode, by the way. <laughs> uh, so one of, the, one of the things calling back to another earlier episode of Carter Doom Scourge, one of the things that I like doing for that deck is also get, giving the opportunity for other opponents to generate small little 1-1s or 2-2s or whatever. So then that way, when I force them to go into combat or whenever things dies or whatever, like they are pinged. Uh, for their hubris, and in this case, like you could definitely see, like Mah- like Mahadi is also reaping those very same rewards. Uh, it's just a little bit different because you're like, well, if I can kill them, it's great. It, that's the only goal: kill them, get treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a a couple things that synergize with cards leaving the the graveyard. We got desecrated tomb and Tormob desecrator. I love desecration. I, I, love, I love desecrated tomb so much. It it's very good luck. So we're getting whenever we have a, a creature card leaving the battlefield, leaving the graveyard, ending, leaving the graveyard. Sorry, thank you. Leaving the graveyard, we're getting a bat with flying, and we're getting a two-two tap black zombie. Hopefully, to keep our sacrifice value train going, and just hiding in the corner there. We also have an Endrick Sar Master Breeder, who just. Makes a lot of thrills. Yeah, uh, pretty easily. I don't know how many times in our playgroup alone we're like, I cast this. Oh yeah, Edric dies. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I think a bunch of thralls yeah. and he's there. But yeah, like yeah. The, the, I think the... there are there are two creatures in this deck that will kill him immediately on casting. But everything else you can you can keep ahead of it. Yeah, you're like you said, your curve is is really relatively low, so you can get away. With like, if you have your sack outlets too, uh, like it, it's easy to work around the uh, the when you have seven or more thralls sacrifice Edricsar as they overtake his lab and and pour and mutilate the poor man. Um, but yeah, like there, uh, the 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 sack fodder corner uh, is just like very efficient. Which is exactly what you want for this type of deck, especially when a lot of it has built-in remove, like built-in exile, uh, built-in recursion. Um, which is like, I mean, heck, reassembling skeleton being the bastion of of that type of effect of, of just like, all right, I'm back. What's up? Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, as if this deck is humming along, you should have lots of mana to be able to bring your reassembling skeletons back and uh, or like pay the the kicker cost on your skyclave shade just to make it a, a chunky boy as he comes in but w- apart from our uh just regular sack fodder we have the the just the bodies so there's a, a few bigger creatures in the rakdos color pair that bring a bunch of friends with them that are very synergistic for the deck uh Big one off the top, we got Sifter of Skulls, Aristocrat Strategy All-Star. Uh, the three and a black Devoid, four, three Eldrazi. Uh, whenever another non-token creature you control dies, create a one, one colorless Eldrazi Scion token. That can sack for more mana. Which, a, a fantastic more things that we need for this type of deck. Um, one card I have not seen in forever, and I'm happy to see it, is Chancellor of the Forge. Ooh. Yes, this is this is one of one of only two cards that will instantly kill Endrixar, but it is uh, for those who are uninitiated, it is four red 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 for a five five. 
you may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, at the beginning of your first upkeep, create a 1-1 red goblin creature token with haste onto the battlefield. Powerful magic. Powerful magic, but the important part, when this when Chancellor of the Forge enters the battlefield, put X 1-1 red goblin creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield where X is the number of creatures you control. So if we are able to go wide and get a lot of value from our Desecrated Tomb or Torm out the Desecrator, uh, we can drop a late Chancellor of the Forge to just explode across the board and get lots of lots of death triggers, lots of value and bodies for our sacrifice enter leave synergies. Yeah, it, it just just to you know, I, I'm sure I think for some people, like, they're like, oh, Mahadi is very easy to build. I think it's just there's a very beautiful way of, of having an entire list like this that most people might consider to be relatively, uh, relatively maybe low power or however you want to describe it. Um, but it's it's very efficient at what it does and what it's intended to do. And you're a- you've been able to bring a lot of, like, old... Uh, like what I consider to be older cards that maybe you don't see as very often, like Chancellor of the Forge for me. Um, mm. Like you said, Genesis Chamber is a bit older, but is usually used in like uh, group hug strategies. Um, just there, there's a lot of uh, a combination of the good new stuff and the old. Sure, that was good back in the day, but here you're like, no, it's still good here. It's great here. Yeah, it just. Talking about the the old cards that are are coming in that are just absolutely amazing with this deck, our old friend Pentavis. Good old Pentavis. So Pentavis is a seven mana zero zero artifact creature. Uh, I I don't even know what the subtype is. Is a thought? it must be a construct. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Pentavis comes into play with five plus one counters on it. For one, you can remove a plus one counter from Pentavis to make a Pentavite artifact creature token while flying, and then you can pay one and sacrifice a Pentavite to put a plus one counter back on Pentavis. Uh, yeah. Pretty so, pretty great to just yeah. pop this for five, make five dudes, get a, get a death trigger. This is, uh, this is, I think, the card you want to draw most if your deck is... Uh, struggling to to get the wheels turning. Well, because the other thing for too. Every every two spare mana you have every turn or on your turn, you can make a treasure with Mahadi. Oh yeah, that's so you right. So you remove a counter, make a Pentavite, sack the Pentavite to put it back on Pentavis. Now this counts as a creature that has died this turn. And you can just cycle through that as its own self-contained engine. Like it costs a so, lot to get out, but it sure. does. But you're slowly, do the a, whole thing. you're you're slowly accumulating. Like, depends on the type of game you want to play. That that is a big thing nowadays. But this is the type of deck that that is. It is very much. It's very. It, the goal is attrition and possibly an explosive win. You're mm-hmm. you're playing a, a legendary creature that cares about making treasures which there could be a lot so getting pentavis out early is very likely and then sort of having this uh oh well we're not sure what's going on here so i'll have an agent of the iron throne out with a mahadi and i'll put out pentavis early and you create and sack the pentavite ping people 
um, and then at your end step make a treasure token. Mm-hmm. As many as you can possibly make. And like, yeah, that's, it, it's efficient. It's a, like, for some, it might be a little bit clunky and it's a little non-linear, but it's its own built-in engine of like, all right, I'm going to make, count counts mana, uh, I have 10 lands, I'm going to make five treasures. Seems pretty good. Yeah, and it really adds up quickly with the uh, like sacrifice, enter the battlefield, leave the battlefield strict synergies. So when you have your Reckless Fire Weaver and your Mayhem Devil in play as you're going through this loop to generate your artifacts, it gets out of control pretty fast. Zulaport Cutthroat, you're, you could be making uh, more treasures with Pitiless Plunder, so you're net zero. Uh... Oh, actually, no. Sorry, that's not net zero. You're still net zero on the turn. On the turn at the end, the... Of, at the end of the turn, effectively. But yeah, like it's very efficient. It's very. I love this deck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've talked a little bit about bodies coming in, uh, enters and leaves synergies. I want to talk a little bit about what I'm doing with the artifacts after I get them. So. We have uh, there's a, a few cards from like Kaladesh and from Magic Origins that care, cared about artifacts just being in play and tapping them for various effects. We've all seen how powerful just tapping them for mana is with uh, like mono blue Urza decks, but here uh, we can sort of make uh, Urza at home with something like Inspiring Statuary. This is a, a three-mana artifact, and it says that non-artifact spells you cast have improvised. And improvised means that you can tap your artifacts to pay for one generic mana of the cost. So this, this will allow us to use the treasures that we've generated earlier in the game without actually sacrificing them to keep them around for a little bit longer while still being able to get mana out of them. This card is a really big card in uh, my Kalein deck, as well um, as my Audric Bloodcurse deck. Um, being able to have an, alter- uh, an alternative use of your effectively temporary resources um, is a great way to just... Uh, you're, the way I look at it, if you're able to keep a lot of these... Uh, treasures in play like you're making mana rocks but it's also like major cost reduction uh just in general by by having this card out mm-hmm. uh and in the realm of interacting with the opponent with all of these inert treasures that are just hanging out on the battlefield we have my uh pet card from standards gone by uh battle at the bridge oh my god Oh, Battle of the Bridge, where this dickhead Tezzeret's just hanging out. Uh, Battle at the Bridge from... uh, Aether Revolt. Aether Revolt, thank you very much. X in black, first sorcery with improvised target creature gets negative X until end of turn. Uh, You gain X life. Yeah. So we can can kill Eldrazi Titans, we can kill uh, Indestructible Gods. This is our uh, get rid of that weird thing. Also, try to stabilize my life total a little bit. And hiding, again, in the corner of our board wipes and interaction section, 
we have the wind condition side sideways glance at wind condition gear per ether grid uh this this is the one card that i keep putting in artifact decks like this because i know it can be good in this deck it's probably fucking amazing because of the absolute boatload i need actually i need to go back so gear per ether grid uh for two and a red for an enchantment tap two untapped artifacts you control Gear per Aether Grid deals one damage to, I believe, with Arata. Any target? Any target. Um, this is one card that I keep staring at. I think a lot of people get staring at it. It's like, it could be good. However, uh, in Magic Christmas Land scenario, including for this deck, you make a boatload of treasures, or in my case with uh, Bloodrick, you make a lot of Blood Vial tokens. Uh, you just need alternative methods of, of utilizing these artifacts that isn't just uh, sack it for mana. What do you do with it? I cannot cast anything. Here's your alternative method of using these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you get to, like, six, tre- six treasures in play and an active Aether Grid, you can pick off basically any utility creature that hits the board. And you can solve a lot of problems just with Rat. Yeah. Um, with the gear of the Aether Grid in play. Yeah, and, like, the other thing, too, especially with, uh, like... Not all of your cards that do this, particularly with like Genesis Chamber. Uh, like if if people are attempting to benefit from your resources, you can just be like, uh, ping that, uh, get rid of that. It's it's it, it is actually a lot more efficient uh, than I think most people, including myself, give it credit for. And it's just it 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 has its home here. It is also the only way in the deck to actually tap Genesis Chamber. If oh. for some reason you want your opponent's not to get the mirror, it it's an accidental synergy, but hey, synergy is synergy. Did you did you know that back in the day that artifacts were turned off when they were tapped? That is super weird. Super, super weird. Uh Magic as Richard thing, Garfield intended. Yeah. <laughs> the one of the last sort of payoffs that I have for treasures that isn't um damage or dealing is we have a, a big reprocess effect with God Eternal Bontu. One of the, the chunkiest chunkiest ladies in the deck. Uh, she's three black black for a five six zombie god legendary creature with Menace. Uh, when God Eternal Bontu enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that many cards. So uh, in after we've been spinning our wheels, if we get stopped, this is a really great way to uh, kickstart the engine. So come in, sacrifice all the treasures we've accumulated to, up to this point, and draw like 5, 10, 15 cards, yeah. and just try to try to reset. Bantu is is very efficient. I've, I've been on the receiving end of, of seeing this card be played. Um, I'm always surprised at how good it is. The other thing I'm also surprised about, not that it comes up too often, but if some people think about it and go big, big brain about it, uh, sacrifice any number of other permanents, which is a big deal um, if you want it, like, for whatever reason, if you want to sacrifice your lands or your enchantments, that is a completely viable option. Um, and it it always makes me think about of, like, that uh, a kind of, like, uh, curse yourself 
with like Liliana's contract or not Liliana's contract. Um, demonic pack. Demonic pack. Yeah, just like some ways that you're hurting yourself, and you're like, I need an out. God Eternal Bantu is there for you. Just something to think about. God Eternal Bantu is always there. Um, yeah, so what, what, what are the, some of the other, like, big, like, big, cool surprise, uh, cards in here? Are, 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 are we at the point that maybe we should talk about the thing that might be too much? Uh, a couple more things before we get to... Okay, all right, right. it's, it's, it's your, it's your show, so you, you, you do, you lead me where you need me to. Uh, I just wanted to jump down to recursion. Okay. So we do we do have uh, a lot of self-recursive and value-generating creatures that enter and leave continuously, but we need a way to get things back that uh, maybe don't have that recursive nature already. Uh, I have three different effects of along the lines of when this creature dies this turn, return it to the battlefield. So we got that with Undying Evil from Dark Ascension, Fake Your Own Death from Streets of New Capenna, which comes with uh, a bonus treasure token, and Malakir Rebirth as the double-sided either tap land or uh, return play. So if we want to try to go off with some of our, our big boys from earlier, our like our Pia and Kieran Alar, our Shifting Sifter, Chancellor of the Forge, this is how we're going to to get that chain rolling uh, for reanimating our, our large lads after they've been in the graveyard for a little bit. We have our Dread Return and a Victimize, which are Classic. just amazing cards. I, I amazing love cards. both of these. Like, Victimize is is pure value as long as no one is uh, being cheeky with your targets. Um, but being able to sacrifice a creature to bring back two to the battlefield tapped... Uh, for three mana is uh, absolutely bonkers. Just busted. Uh, we also get the Agadim's Awakening of X black 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 return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost X or less. So late game pour six mana into this get four or five six creatures back feels good yeah and like and, you said, like even with uh your relatively lower ended curve you do actually manage to hit pretty much every single uh mana value that you would want in in pretty much any combination or permutation uh especially if you're able to bring some of these out with like a marionette master yes yeah, the marionette master at the top end is is usually where you want to end it uh, because uh, I think any, anyone who's played with it or been on the receiving end of Marionette Master knows that uh, this card just ends the game, usually. There's there's never been a time I have not seen a Marionette Master pop off and you're like, oh yeah, that just like straight up kills people. Marionette Master woke up and chose violence. <laughs> it's like, are you going to make those uh, servos? No. Uh, going to get Basically, big? Yeah. Going to get big? Pump the shotgun and just shoot you. And our last piece of recursion in here, the Ruthless Technomancer, 
from the Streets of New Capenna Commander, but not in a Commander the, the deck. The not in a Commander deck, but in the Commander part card that you could randomly find in packs. Oh boy, what were they thinking? Oh. Yeah, but we can we can use our previously generated treasures to reanimate spells. It acts sack outlet. There's just lots of lots of overlapping synergy with that card. Yeah, it's not but, every day that you're. It says like when it enters the battlefield, you'll sacrifice another creature you control, and you make treasures equal to that creature's power. And uh, I know um, before I I really got a good look at this deck. You were you were debating about one particular card, uh, Dargo the Shipwrecker. Yes, I was listening to the Dargo Loops episode uh, as I was reading through some of the, the spoilers for Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, and I just saw this Technomancer and this hearing Dargo flipping through the abyss. Uh, it just, it really spoke to me. It <laughs> was, Dargo was in an earlier version of the deck, but without it going to the command zone, I just didn't it's, think it's, that it had it's not a, a as, yeah. here. It's not, it's not as worth it. Uh, that being said, shout out to MJ from the MTG and Quarantine podcast. Uh, recently just did an episode with Nathan, a.k.a. the Hermit Druid, uh, specifically about that uh, Dargo Timna deck. Uh, so go check that out if uh, you want to look into the mind of the Hermit about CDH Dargo looping for, for pure value. An excellent show. Um, but, but now, now, Derek, I, I, I do have to understand. I do have to ask because we're we're at that time, we're at that point. Is it time for the 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 too much card? I think it's time for the too much card. <laughs> so the bane, bane of treasure decks in all existence, the thing that sparks fear in the hearts of mere mortals, the five mana enchantment from origin from Ixalan, revel in riches. Oh boy. Uh, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, create a treasure token. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have ten of our treasures, you'll win the game. It's, it's too easy. It's too easy. It's, it's, it's just a uh, too much. I, I had it in Kalein and I took it out because it was too much. Uh-huh. I won like three games in a row with it consistently every time. And I was like, it's too much. Yeah, so I think this is in here. You keep this card in the deck if you want to err more on the winning the game side of deck construction and your pod is more focused on just ending the game and winning. Uh, The card that I have actually, in my paper version of this deck, have swapped it with is as far from a card that lets you win as you can get, and it's actually uh, Ensnaring Bridge. Give me one second here. Okay, so... Essentially, essentially a, stacks, a soft stacks piece. Okay, creatures with power greater than the number of cards in your hand can't attack. Okay, that's actually yeah. not that bad. Yeah. So this this should keep you alive long enough to get your engines fitting because there's not a lot of um, creatures that are great at attacking in this deck, to be honest. 
Like we, they, they can, they can get in there. They can die all the time, but there's not all, there's no like crater hoof, grave titan kind of like big presence. There, on there, the there's board. no, there's no real big flying boys in this deck. No, uh, five pentavites if you really want to. <laughs> if you're but, feeling, if you're feeling a little spicy. <laughs> yeah, for as a treat, five pentavites can get in there, uh, but. Yeah, like Insteering Bridge just allows you to hold the fort for for a while and try not to get run over when people are focusing on combat as you're trying to set up your your engine, get pour gas in, get the <laughs> your wheel tune up, make sure that everything is aligned properly before you start running that engine. Yeah, I think um, probably to wrap thing everything up because uh, we're we're both on a clock right now. Um, I think a lot of people would look at this deck and 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 see a very clear path of like this, this is you know this is the way you you end the game and like this is how you win. Um, I think there's a lot of moving parts um, in the in this deck that allows you to have very different games each time you bust this out. There's no one tried and true way of winning. There's actually just a lot of different ways to threaten the win. Um, but the uh, the ability like. I think if you do want to keep something like Ripple and Riches in a deck like this, or in any commander deck, is that you can sandbag if it, it suits the table. Uh, like, there are a few cards in here um, for, like, some of your card draw stuff that, that may allow you, like, big score, for example, that allows you to, like, discard a card. If you're like, this, uh, this card does not suit the table, uh, you just discard your Ripple and Riches and continue on the game winning by alternative means mm -hmm. yeah i would much rather win a game that has tre 10 treasures in play on my board using a bolus of citadel to sacrifice all of them to, to hit everybody <laughs> yeah. which like, I, that, that seems like a much much more exciting game than the rebel and riches yeah because like the, the way i look at it is rebel and riches just basically says if you do not answer this i win and it's very easy to do so but with a bolus of citadel Yes, you can cast stuff off the top of your library until you hit a land or, or whatever. But the second part, I think, is is does not get played as very often. Uh, and I'm always excited to see it when people do activate it for the latter half of, like, yeah, everyone gets popped for 10. That seems pretty cool. That seems like a great way to end the game. Yeah, that's, that's one of our, our secret big finishers. People forget that Bullet Citadel has that line of text most of the time because it's Usually just comboing. It's just a good card. It's a very good value card. Yeah, and the triple black pips means absolutely nothing to this deck. <laughs> lots and lots of treasures, and it is a, by a wide margin, a black deck with a bit of red. Yeah, I, it's just that in the I think in this particular case, uh, the. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like even your um, your color ratio is definitely very much on uh, the mostly black and then red side of things, uh, which is pretty funny. But you also do have like a lot of like multicolor or like the re the good red utility pieces that like black by itself wouldn't really be able to do. Yeah, we wouldn't get our P and Cure and Alar in a mono black version of this deck. Uh, we definitely would not have Mayhem Devil or a Reckless Fireweaver uh, or an Ingenious Artillerist or uh, Obnixless the Adversary. Yeah. 
That that card is uh, uh, hella busted. What were they thinking? Yeah, uh, I I think this is just a a totally fair way to play it in this deck. In commander, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's not doing anything too too egregious. We're not copying it with a Seekus Chariot or anything like that. We're just you know we're just having a good time, just making devils, uh, <laughs> oh, sacrificing something for value to make a second copy. You know, it's it's okay, it's okay. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about at all is the sack outlets in this deck. A lot of them are pretty bog standard, but uh, some interesting ones that people may not see too much uh, would be Lizolda, the Blood Witch. Oh boy, here we go. So, Lizolda, uh, three mana, three one. Alternate commander. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, uh, so from original, uh, I was going to say Innistrad, but it's actually Ravnica from uh, like a hundred years before the current era we're in, I believe. Um, two, pay two, sacrifice a creature, Lazola the Blood Witch deals two damage to target creature or player, aka any target, question mark? Any target. Any target. Uh, if the sacrifice creature was red, draw a card if the sacrifice creature was black. Very cool. Yeah. Mostly in here we're just drawing cards with it, but it is fuel for the engine. Got Erebos, Bleak-Hearted, filling a, a similar role. Whenever another creature you control dies, you may pay two life. If you do, draw a card. And you can pay one in a black, sack a creature to give another creature negative two, negative one until end of turn. The the probably not probably not the not as popular Erebos that, that people like, but uh, still can kill, for sure. Still can kill. Also draws a card. Uh, always good. Just for mana, we got Phyrexian Tower. Uh, not generating mana with it, but high market. To a little little bits of sacrifice here and there. Altar of Dementia, if you want to go on the, the self-mill game plan to get all of your, your Blood Gas, your Skyclave Shade, your reassembling skeleton. If you want to just turbo-get that into the graveyard, use your Altar of Dementia. And we have Sanguine Spy to fill our graveyard. As we sacrifice creatures and mill ourselves for the most time. Uh, yeah, no, it's there's a lot of interconnected synergies going on here that I have have, have made it a, a fun deck to play with. And like this is this is a way to go about it. Like it's it, it's again a lot of moving parts, a lot of way to win the game, um, but also with like with a, a severe dependence on like some of these components, especially with the commander, that if you don't have access to it, it kind of does just like fall apart, which is also good because you can work. You try and find a way to work around it. Yeah, when if Mahadi starts costing seven or nine mana, you're you're getting into to some rough territory. But I think the deck can still operate even if you get punished like that. Yeah. I don't think I don't think you'll be casting a Mahadi for uh, twenty five mana or something like that, not unless it is the best game ever. <laughs> not unless not unless you're Tommy playing Riku. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to address with this deck before we wrap up, because uh, I imagine that you're going to be sharing the Moxfield link in the yes in the show yes notes. yes I will be. Uh, the price tag comes up as a little over a thousand dollars. Most of that 
is a rather unnecessary addition of a Badlands, <laughs> which, given that I'm running no other like land searching effects in here, can easily be replaced with like a Rakdos Guild Gate, and you lose very small percentage points. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and some of the some of the uh, versions and foils uh, that are in here can can easily be be swapped out for their more budget friendly versions. Like you don't need the secret layer Zulaport Cutthroat or the San Diego Comic Con God Eternal Bantu. Yeah, so, a, a lot of this is like <laughs> very very dirt cheap. Like, sure, some of the more like particular versions of cards, like. Yeah, I can see why some of this is expensive as it is, but like really box standard for most of this, pretty affordable. Mm-hmm. You can get this down to 200, 300 pretty easily. <laughs> Which is. I find it Same, funny. Quite a bit. I, I find it. Sure. I, do, I do find it funny. Uh, just to kind of wrap everything up, when people are talking about budget nowadays, people find that like 100 to $200 is like considered quote unquote budget. Which, like. I, I guess so. Like if like you still make a decently tuned deck for like on the cheap side, but holy yeah. So uh, yeah, keep keep an eye out, everyone. It's it, it, it is deceptively expensive when it is really not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Derek, thank you for waking up super duper early in your corner of the world and your your part of the hemisphere and and coming on the episode. Yeah, thank you for having me, Colin. Happy to be back and. Uh... Looking forward to to what the the podcast has to bring in the future. Um, and dare dare people follow you on on Twitter? Uh, if if they really want to, I'm at Genesis Wave for one. Uh, which is such I don't a really funny, talk. About, which is such a funny. But name. I'm on there. Sometimes you really need just a land off the top. <laughs> And there's the there's the numerous ways to do it, but sometimes it's got to be a four mana Genesis wave. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with that, everyone, that is this episode. You can check the list uh, in the show notes. I'll have the link there. Uh, I normally don't say this a whole lot. You can follow me on Twitter at Eclipse Meteor. I am uh, chatting about uh, Magic uh, this weekend. Uh, Starting from the 15th onto the 17th, I'd like everyone to go check out uh, For Soul Ring Go. Um, uh, there is currently a charity stream going on for some victims uh, from the shooting in Texas. I don't normally want to end it on this episode, but we're looking to uh, raise some money for a good cause. Uh, we're going to be playing, uh, everyone's going to be playing like legendary Phyrexian creatures. Uh, for the event so please look forward to the stream it's going all weekend uh the link for the host on twitch and and all that other information will also be in the show notes um but yeah uh that is it for this episode thank you for listening and we'll talk to you on the next one talk to you again